like everything coming down to Infinity War and Endgame, capping off this, uh, nobody could have seen this coming. I, this is not something you can plan for. No event like this has ever happened in movies and probably never will. And so it's kind of, a, kind of an interesting thing to take note of, even if you aren't a geek like me, and even if you haven't seen it, and, and I don't understand why you haven't. But I, I will read the IMDb description for you, so you can kind of know what's, what's going on. After the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War, the universe is in ruins. With the help of remaining allies, the Avengers assemble once more in order to undo Thanos' actions and restore order to the universe. Now, if you've ever read a comic book before or watched a cartoon about superheroes or a movie, you know that restoring order to the universe is kind of a given. Like, that's one of the things you kind of expect from superheroes is that even when Superman died in the comics, which I have two copies of that, by the way, um, even when that happened, you, he didn't actually die. And so you kind of expect at some point there's going to be some sort of resolution about that. And maybe... On the one hand, that's why people like superhero movies is because it kind of gives us an escape out of our own real life and our real world because we, we can say, oh, man, good always triumphs over evil and everything always kind of gets back to where it's supposed to be because superheroes have these otherworldly powers and they have the, the agency to be able to make that happen. And maybe conversely, that's why some people don't like superhero movies because it's not grounded in reality and, like, this is not how the real world works and there are real consequences and things that we have to face in this life. So... Maybe it doesn't seem helpful to daydream about having superpowers to change things for, for our lives. Um, to me, what's, what's really interesting about all this, fr from a faith standpoint and perspective on these movies and what it's like to have superpowers, is, is as Christ followers, we, we have this belief, we have this, in, this faith in this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God who can do anything he wants to do. And one of the, one of the very unique the most poignant thing about Christianity is God does not just stay back above it all and expect us to try to fight our way to him, but instead he sends Jesus down to us to experience life exactly as we experience it so that we serve a God who knows what it's like to be us. Um, check out Hebrews chapter 2, for example, starting in verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood... He too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all lived their lives, who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And for a little bit of bonus and extra credit, you can read Hebrews chapter 4. I'll read a couple of verses from that in addition to Hebrews 2. Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So Jesus suffered in a fully human way. He handles pain and temptation and loss in real ways. And so not only do we serve an all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God who is our Lord, it's all the more powerful for me that we serve an all-encompassing, empathetic Savior who knows what it's like to be us. 
and to live in the real world. In fact, um, one of the easiest, well, I would say the easiest Bible verse to memorize in the Bible comes from John chapter 11, verse 35. It's the shortest one. Some of you may know it by heart. It's two words, Jesus wept. And so that way, everybody, hey, do you have any Bible verses memorized? Yes, I do. Like, you now have Bible memorized. And so congratulations, you've done so great this morning. And, but, but even more so than that, even though it's a short verse and stuff, think about the implications of those two words. That Jesus knows what it's like to experience pain and sorrow and for that to affect him and his life. There's a, some serious meaning in just those two words and the context in which Jesus experiences that. And while not particularly nuanced, one of the things that's really interesting to me about Avengers Endgame is that they actually deal, maybe kind of scratch the surface in some ways, but actually deal with what it would look like that even if you have powers and can do all these godlike things in your life as a superhero, they still have to deal with real-life permanent consequences for things that happen in this movie. They experience loss in ways that are somewhat relatable. Early on in Endgame, the Avengers defeat Thanos, but they can't change or undo what he's done. He's destroyed half of life in the entire universe, which includes a lot of their friends and fellow superheroes, and they can do nothing about it. Uh, sorry, I didn't give you a spoiler alert to that, but like that's kind of a significant part of the movie. The good guys are always supposed to win in the end, right, in a superhero movie, but that's not how this movie starts off. Five years pass, which is fairly significant, and we see that there, these people have been changed in ways that we do not expect. One character, some of them kind of change in some ways for the good. One character, Black Widow, she takes on more responsibility, and she's, she's put in a position of leadership that she wasn't in before, and so she's handling that. Uh, in the midst of handling her grief and loss. But another, Hawkeye, who's supposed to be the family man, like he's, he's the one, he doesn't have any superpowers, and so he's kind of, uh, uh, you know, the everyman guy. Like he turns into a homicidal maniac because of the things that, that have happened. And so people experience pain and change in very different ways. And the burden of loss, and I think this movie deals with this quite a bit, and it's something that we have to deal with in our life. The burden of loss that's so fa fascinating and so difficult for our life is that it's always weighed down by irreversible change. And so when we carry that burden, like anyone who's lost a loved one, whether through death or maybe a break in relationship or anything that's had something of themselves that's been lost or taken away or whatever circumstance you've been through marked by grief and that pain knows how life-changing these types of events can be. They're often the tipping point for who we become after those significant moments in our life. I mean, you take the small things that happen, kind of the everyday things that happen in our life and how they affect a, a day, for example. Like, let's say some of you, I know, you kind of, coffee kind of determines how your day is going to go, right? If you admit that, some of you are, are kind of like that. So if the coffee maker breaks your morning, th th that morning, then the rest of your day is going to be pretty rough. I mean, your mood's going to be affected by that. Anybody willing to admit that? No perfect people allowed. You're, you're good. And, and so that, that's going to be a big deal for you. Or, or let's say somebody cuts you off while driving. Like that, that may determine how you drive for the rest of the day. Or think about um, those of your parents. This, one, this one's kind of fun for me. Um, not fun like in a ha-ha, you know, like enjoyable way. But think about those times when like your kid says something or does something to you and you're about to go off on them and then you realize like, oh, 
that's me. Like, they're, they're being me to my face, and I don't like that. You know, you think about the things that have affected us when we were kids, and we had parents, and then we push those things on to other people or our own kids. When we carry these burdens, the weight threatens to bring us to a standstill. The way we carry them threatens to bring us to a standstill. And so to keep moving forward, sometimes we'll, we'll work hard on our own to be strong or put up certain barriers in our life to harden and strengthen our resolve so that we can keep living everyday life uh, to make those changes more manageable over time. But when we don't do them in healthy ways, it becomes a problem for us. Now, in a comic book movie, you can fast forward five years and then figure out how to time travel and then make everything better. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what you do in a superhero movie. But, but even that isn't as straightforward as we might imagine or daydream it to be. I don't know if you've ever done that in your life where you've thought about, man, if I could just go back and change this one thing that happened or this event, like this is, this is how all those things would change uh, in, in my life and I wouldn't have to deal with things that I deal with now. But that's not always the case. Even these, super, these superheroes like experience that through this process of time travel where, yes, there are some humorous moments and there are some mo moving moments, but it still doesn't change things in the way that they expect. They're still deeply impacted by the things that had happened five years ago. Even, even the, the main bad guy, Thanos, he figures out what's happening. His past self knows what his future self does and expects that his death and his winning is going to be inevitable because it's already happened before, and even that doesn't turn out the way that he expects. And so what we're going to do uh, this morning is we're going to look at a text that I mentioned a little bit before, and we're going to look at and see what, what really is inevitable in life. Like when we deal with death and we deal with loss and circumstances that change everything for us, we're going to deal with what, what actually is true in those moments. Because I, I know, like, we talk about life, there are two things that are inevitable, they're death and taxes. Uh, but I do think there's a third option. And so we're going to look at loss and we're going to look at death and see how that third option might present itself. So John chapter 11, John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. Like, where, where did that happen? Maybe some of you know this, this story already. Like, what's the context in which this happens? Well, it's the death of one of his friends, Lazarus. And so Jesus, and we're gonna re not going to read the whole account, and I encourage you to do that later on your own time in John chapter 11. But when Jesus gets to his, his Lazarus' family and his community, uh, Jesus has to deal with the pain and sorrow that people are feeling in the midst of this loss. And so we're going to pick up in John chapter 11, verse 32. When Mary, who's Lazarus' sister, reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. 
And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Like I said, we're, we're not reading the full account. There's more stuff that happened begin this that leads up uh, before this story that leads up to uh, what happens and the events that, that take place here. But there's something that I want to kind of take it aside to mention um, because we know how it ends. We know that Lazarus ends up resurrected. Um, I just want to mention the point here is not that we should not mourn loss. Even Jesus, knowing what he was about to do, is deeply moved, and he's troubled, he's sorrowful, and he joins in that sorrow because he knows things were never meant to get to this point. And by that I mean, I, I don't mean that like Jesus, Jesus intentionally waited a few days before he showed up four days late. And yes, he could have gotten there earlier, especially uh, since he had delayed his travels. And yes, Thor could have aimed his axe a little bit higher you seen the first, no, nobody's seen Infinity War? Okay, well, that's meaningful if you've seen the movie. And maybe none of this would have happened. But before all of that, death to begin with was never God's desire for us. That destruction was brought about due to our sin. And so it's worth taking the time to properly mourn the irreversible change loss brings. And so taking time to mourn loss in healthy ways, and I say healthy ways very particularly because like, if you've seen Endgame, you remember Thor and how he handles loss and what he does. I thought about putting a picture up there, but, you, like, you just have to experience that, I think, in the movie. Taking time to mourn loss in healthy ways gives us the space we need to see the inevitability beyond the loss, the third option. Jesus mourns with those who mourn, but because of what he knows about God the Father and what he's about to accomplish with his own death— he shows this community that while their loss is significant, the effect of that loss need not be dictated by the event of loss itself. I, I want to say that one more time. The effect of that loss need not be dictated by the event of the loss itself. In other words, what Jesus changes for us is that the inevitability of death is supplanted by the inevitability of new life. By its nature, like I recognize when we say new life, that generally has a positive connotation. And so sometimes I think like new life, maybe, I know sometimes I think this way, is that we think, well, new life only comes from good things. And so that's, that's the stuff that happens. And so the bad things that happen or the loss and the pain of death that, you know, that we experience in this life, like how, how is that possible? Uh, but, but, it, but it always happens. Like, those irreversible changes always bring new life because we can't go back. Like, we can't make those things not happen. And so what happens is, at this point, like, we have a choice of what we make of that new life. And Jesus, uh, Jesus enables that new life to be something that's positive and it's good. Like, Lazarus had a choice when he came out. When he became Lazarus 2.0, like, he had to decide what he was going to do with his life from that point forward. He's been through the pain of death. He's experienced the trauma and the tragedy of that loss. His family has, and he's going to navigate all those difficult things. And obviously, joy and celebration is going to be a part of that. But there's going to be some difficult things he has to deal with, too. And so what kind of life is he going to lead from this point forward? There's a character in this movie named Nebula, which you don't need to like know the movie to to understand I think her experience but she runs into her her future self 
And when she does it, the past nebula runs into future nebula. She sees this future nebula who is independent and who's free from the abuse of her father. But this past nebula can't see how she got to that point. And so she never allows herself to believe that that can be possible for her in, in this life. And she ends up never being able to experience that. And this is the challenge of losing someone or losing something or having a circumstance of death and loss in our life is it's so difficult to see past that change. Like we've all met that person in their 20s or their 30s or, or older who like can't see anything past high school. You, you know what I'm saying? Like they're stuck in, oh, this is the GPA I got or the time I threw a game-winning touchdown in the football game, that kind of thing. And you're kind of looking at this person and you're like, hey, at some point, you got to move on, bro. Yeah, you know, it's like that, that's, that's not something that you can keep holding on to in your life, even if it's a really positive thing. But substitute that for any of the countless things that are infinitely more difficult or devastating than graduating high school. And being told to move on sounds like cruel advice because of the injustice of that loss and of that death and that irreversible change. Yet this is exactly what Jesus helps us do. By move on, we're not talking about acting like it didn't happen. We're not talking about acting like there aren't real consequences for that thing or that it's going to be difficult and that we won't have to continue to deal with it in our lives. But because of the inevitability of new life that Jesus brings and being able to choose new life that is not paralyzed by our losses because of what Jesus does, it allows us to keep going in our lives. Through the passage of time and life experience, we have hope in the new life that Jesus brings that will sustain us, that will allow us to keep on keeping on. There's a, there's a period uh, of time in the movie where Tony Stark is leaving this message because he's about to embark on something that's very dangerous, and he doesn't know what the outcome will be, and so he leaves this recorded message for his wife and for his child, and he says this. He says, part of the journey is the end. What am I even tripping for? Everything's going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to. Little did he know at the time the way that it's supposed to work out would end with his death. Spoiler alert. Sorry, I did it again. Oh, you've ruined everything for me. There's, there were only 14,605,000 scenarios in which this battle could have taken place because there's this character that can see like all the, uh, anyway, see through time. Anyway, I'm not going to explain all that. Uh, and there's only one in which the Avengers will win. And that one includes Tony being willing to sacrifice himself. The plan always involved him dying. And he's been the most dramatic character arc in the whole MCU. Tony Stark goes from a selfish, egotistical, billionaire tech genius to a self-sacrificing, egotistical, billionaire tech genius. <laughs> like, that's, that's, the, that's the change in, in his life. But let's deal with reality here. The reality here is that death has been swallowed up in victory. That's, that's who Jesus claims to be. The victor over sin and death. That's what he came to do with his death, burial, and resurrection. There's, there's a paradox here that we are invited to hope and trust in. Is that regardless of what we face in this life, Jesus has already conquered the ultimate consequence of that pain and that loss and that sin and that irreversible change and that suffering in this life. Jesus conquered it. 
and he's made us his own. And so we are invited to hold on to hope and trust and new life beyond our loss to embrace Jesus' resurrection in our lives. The pain and suffering of sin and loss may seem like it's the end, but Jesus' victory is inevitable. And so from that point forward, we, we have a choice for that new life. There, there's, this, uh, there's this other scene where Captain America is leading a, a group therapy session, and one of the things that he says as part of this is he says, the world is in our hands. It's left up to us, guys. We have to do something. Otherwise, Thanos should have killed all of us. See, sometimes, like, it's those things that have happened in our life that seem, th- they, they threaten to cloud the rest of our lives with death and loss and pain. But the new life that Jesus brings gives us the opportunity to hope and trust in something better. You could argue that the Avengers who remained after Thanos snapped uh, never really moved on, that they were stuck in the past. And one, there's actually a reviewer of this movie who gave it a half-star review for Avengers Endgame, which everybody else was you know, excited about it and thought it was amazing. And they said that the movie was morally bankrupt because of how they handled grief and loss and pain. In the movie, five years have passed, and, and these people still haven't grieved properly and, and moved on. And, and I think what that simply shows is that even when we trust God with our past and our future and our present, pressing on in the moment, it's difficult. It's painful. Some of us have had moments where we can put back to, where, point back to where everything changed. Maybe life came to a screeching halt for us a year, five years, ten years ago. Where we can think of specific moments and events that have changed our, our personalities, our outlooks on life, how we handle things from that point forward. And it's not about pretending that loss didn't happen. It's, it's about not holding on to that loss as what dictates how your life has changed. It doesn't have to be that event that holds the power over us. It's about holding on to the hope and expectation that God will redeem our story and embrace that we can embrace God's inevitable future. Mary and Martha were devastated at the loss of their brother, and understandably and rightfully so. It's not something that we can be excited about. But what Jesus shows them and the community surrounding them is that that is not where the story ends. Whether it's a person or something that's been taken away from you, that loss doesn't have to determine who you become after it. Jesus changes that. And he's the one who determines who we are in the midst of it. At the end of the movie, the final words of Tony Stark are basically this taunt towards Thanos. Thanos earlier has said, I am inevitable. Like, what's going to happen? Death and all these people being gone and stuff. It doesn't matter what you do. It's going to happen anyway. And while Tony is defeating him and sacrificing himself, he simply says the phrase, I am Iron Man. Which is kind of a cool moment if you've seen the movie. And what he does there and what he's communicating here is like, regardless of what you've done, evil, destructive being, like you don't get to determine and dictate who I am as a result of that. You don't get to determine my reaction to this and what I do with my life from this point forward. And the same thing is true for us. That we are not the sum of the losses that we've suffered. As Christians, there are very specific things about who we are and who Jesus is creates us to be that are important to hold on to as agents of change in our new life from him. For example, I'm a child of God as a Christ follower. Like these are things that we get to claim and say and know that are true and have hope in. That I am a friend of Jesus. That I am redeemed. 
that I'm no longer condemned, that I'm a temple of God's Holy Spirit. I'm free. I am a new creation. And all of those things and more come from the great I am. This is how God describes himself in the Old Testament, and this is something throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to himself as he, that, that he is. Because regardless of anything else in this life, one of the things that's true and the ultimate truth and where the buck stops is that, G, is that God is. The, the I am overshadows and overtakes anything else that may seem like it's about to overtake or overshadow our lives. Because Jesus' victory is inevitable, the fulfillment of our hope and trust is inevitable so that we can keep on keeping on, so that we can keep living life the way that God has called us to, the life that God desires us for, not because of what we can do, but because of what he can do with us. Let's pray. God, when it comes to the pain that we experience from things that we can't change, the loss that, and the grief, the suffering that we share together, it is very difficult to see beyond that. So God, we ask that you make the path clear to the new life that you offer beyond the things that will happen or have happened to us in this life. God, that we'll see a clear path to how you're remaking that into a new, a new life, a new experience. God, as we carry the things that have happened uh, to us in our past, we, we ask that you help us to see how you might be working in those things because your promise is to work it out to the good. Not to ignore it, not to shove it under a rug, but, um, but that that's not the thing that will defeat us. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for sending yourself in such a way that you know exactly what it's like to be us, to suffer what we suffer, to be tempted in the way that we're tempted, and that you, you came to us so that we could be with you. God, we ask you for the strength to hold on to that hope, to live it out, and to share it with others who so de desperately need it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.